From Eric Public Media and the Alaska Ice Corporation, this is the podcast Wikiredia, wherein we read from start to finish the Wikipedia entries that we find most interesting. Today's topic is the Hardy Boys. The original Wikipedia page lives at www.wikipedia.org slash wiki slash the underscore hardy underscore boys. And we're tapping into this text under the Creative Commons license, which permits adaptation and retransmission of the original work provided attribution is made. Wikiredia is similarly distributed under the same Creative Commons license. This is The Hardy Boys, Wikiredia episode number nine, date of production July 22nd, 2020. And I'm your host, Eric Corris. Let's get started. The Hardy Boys. The Hardy Boys, Frank and Joe Hardy, are fictional characters who appear in several mystery series for children and teens. The series revolves around the teenagers who are amateur sleuths solving cases that stumped their adult counterparts. The characters were created by American writer Edward Stratemeyer, the founder of the book packaging firm Stratemeyer Syndicate. The books themselves were written by several ghostwriters under the collective pseudonym Franklin W. Dixon. The Hardy Boys have evolved since their debut in 1927. Beginning in 1959, the books were extensively revised, partially to eliminate racial stereotypes. The books were also written in a simpler style to compete with television. A new Hardy Boys series, The Hardy Boys Case Files, was created in 1987 and features murderers, violence, and international espionage. The original Hardy Boys mystery stories ended in 2005. A new series, Undercover Brothers, was launched the same year featuring updated versions of the characters who narrate their adventure in the first person. Undercover Brothers ended in 2012 and was replaced in 2013 by The Hardy Boys Adventures, also narrated in the first person. Through all these changes, the characters have remained popular. The books sell more than a million copies every year, several new volumes are published each year, and the adventures have been translated into more than 25 languages. The boys have been featured in five television shows and several video games, and have helped promote merchandise such as lunchboxes and jeans. Critics have many explanations for the character's longevity, suggesting that the Hardy Boys embody simple wish fulfillment, American ideals of boyhood, and masculinity. A well-respected father paradoxically argued to be inept, and the possibility of the triumph of good over evil. Hardy Boys Premise The Hardy Boys, Frank and Joe Hardy, are fictional teenage brothers and amateur detectives. Frank is 18 and Joe is 17. They live in the city of Bayport on Barmot Bay with their father, Detective Fenton Hardy, their mother, Laura Hardy, and their Aunt Gertrude. Their brothers... The brothers attend high school in Bayport, where they are in the same grade, but school is rarely mentioned in the books and never hinders their solving of mysteries. In the older stories, the boys' mysteries are often linked to their father's confidential cases. He sometimes requests their assistance, while at other times they stumble upon relevant villains and incidents. 
In the Undercover Brothers series, 2005 to 2012, the Hardys are members of and receive cases from American Teens Against Crime. The Hardy Boys are sometimes assisted in solving mysteries by their friends, Chet Morton, Phil Cohen, Biff Hooper, Jerry Gilroy, and Tony Preto, and less frequently by their platonic girlfriends, Callie Shaw and Iola Morton. In each novel, the Hardy Boys are constantly involved in adventure and action. Despite the frequent danger, the boys never lose their nerve. They are Hardy Boys, luckier and more clever than anyone around them. They live in an atmosphere of mystery and intrigue. Never were so many assorted felonies committed in a simple American small town. Murder, drug peddling, racehorse kidnapping, diamond smuggling, medical malpractice, big-time auto theft... Even in the 1940s, the hijacking of strategic materials and espionage all were conducted with Bayport as the nucleus. With so much in common, the boys are so little differentiated that one commentary facetiously, commentator facetiously described them thus. The boys' characters are basically broke down this way. Frank had dark hair. Joe was blonde. In general, however, Frank was the thinker, while Joe was more impulsive, and perhaps a little more athletic. The two boys are invariably on good terms with each other and never engage in, si in sibling rivalry, except in the new Hardy Boys Case Files series. Frank and Joe are somewhat wealthy and often travel to faraway locations, including Mexico in The Mark on the Door, 1934, Scotland to Scotland in The Secret Agent on Flight 101 from 1967, Iceland in The Arctic Patrol Mystery, 1969, Egypt in The Mummy Case, 1980, and Kenya in The Mystery of the Black Rhino, 2003. The Hardys also travel across the United States by motorcycle, motorboat, iceboat, train, airplane, and their own car. Hardy Boy's Creation of Characters The characters were conceived in 1926 by Edward Stratemeyer, founder of the book packaging firm Stratemeyer Syndicate. Stratemeyer pitched the series to publishers Grosset and Dunlap and suggested that the boys be called the Keen Boys, the Scott Boys, the Hard Boys, or the Bixby Boys. Grosset and Dunlap editors approved the project, but for reasons unknown, chose the name The Hardy Boys. The first three titles were published in 1927 and were an immediate success. By mid-1929, more than 115,000 books had been sold. So successful was the series that Stratemeyer created Nancy Drew as a female counterpart to the Hardys. Each volume is penned by a ghostwriter under the pseudonym Franklin W. Dixon. In accordance with the customs of the Stratemeyer Syndicate series production, ghostwriters for the syndicate signed contracts that have sometimes been interpreted as requiring authors to sign away all rights to authorship or future royalties. The contracts stated that authors could not use their Stratemeyer Syndicate pseudonyms independently of the syndicate. In the early days of the syndicate, ghostwriters were paid a fee of $125, roughly equivalent to two months' wages for a typical newspaper reporter, the primary day job of the syndicate ghosts. During the Great Depression, this fee was lowered first to $100 and later to $75. All royalties went to the syndicate. All correspondence with the publisher was handled through a Stratemeyer Syndicate office, and the syndicate was able to enlist the cooperation of libraries in hiding the ghostwriters' names. The syndicate's process for creating the Hardy Boys consisted of creating a detailed outline with all elements of plot, drafting a manuscript, and editing the manuscript. Edward Stratemeyer's daughter, Edna Stratemeyer Squire, and possibly Stratemeyer himself wrote outlines for the first volumes in the series. 
Beginning in 1934, Stratemeyer's other daughter, Harriet Stratemeyer Adams, began contributing plot outlines. She and Andrew Svensson wrote most of the plot outlines for the next several decades. Other plot outliners included Vincent Berenelli, James Duncan Lawrence, and Tom Mulvey. Most of the early volumes were written by Canadian Leslie McFarlane, who authored 19 of the first 25 titles and co-authored Volume 17, The Secret Warning, between 1927 and 1946. Unlike many other syndicate ghostwriters, McFarlane was regarded highly enough by the syndicate that he was frequently given advances of $25 or $50, and during the Depression, when fees were lowered, he was paid $85 for each Hardy Boy book when the other syndicate ghostwriters were receiving only $75 for their productions. According to McFarlane's family, he despised the series and its characters. After co-authoring Volume 17, John Button, with Volume 18, The Twisted Claw, 1939, took over the series full-time until 1942. McFarlane resumed with Volume 22, The Flickering Torch Mystery, 1943. McFarlane's last contribution was Volume 24, The Short Wave Mystery, of 1945. His wife Amy authored Volume 26, The Phantom Freighter, 1947. Over the next several decades, other volumes were written by Adams, Svensson, Lawrence, Berenelli, William Doherty, and James Buecher. Beginning in 1959, the series was extensively revised and rewritten. Many authors worked on the revised books, writing new manuscripts. Some of them also wrote plot outlines and edited the books. Among the authors who worked on the revised versions were Adams, Svensson, Buecher, Lilo Wen, Anne Schulz, Alastair Hunter, Tom Mulvey, Patricia Dahl, and Priscilla Baker Carr. In 1979, the Hardy Boys books began to be published in paperback rather than hardcover. Lawrence and Berenelli continued to write the titles. Other authors included Carl Herr III and Lawrence Swinburne. In 1984, the rights to the series were sold, along with the Stratemeyer Syndicate, to Simon & Schuster. New York book packager Megabooks subsequently hired authors to write Hardy Boys mystery stories and a new series, The Hardy Boys Case Files. In 1980, dissatisfied with the lack of creative control at Grosset and Dunlap and the lack of publicity for The Hardy Boys' 50th anniversary in 1977, Harriet Adams switched publishers for The Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew as well as other series to Simon & Schuster. Grosset and Dunlap filed suit against the syndicate and Simon & Schuster, citing breach of contract, copyright infringement, and unfair competition, and requested $300 million in damages. The outcome in that case turned largely on the question of who had written the Nancy Drew series. Adams filed a countersuit claiming that, as author of the Nancy Drew mystery stories, she retained the rights to her work. Although Adams had written many Nancy Drew titles after 1953 and edited others, she claimed to be the author of all early titles. In fact, she had rewritten the older titles, but was not the original author. When Mildred Benson, the author of the early Nancy Drew volumes, was called to testify about her work for the syndicate, Benson's role in writing the manuscripts of early titles was revealed in court with extensive documentation, contradicting Adams' claim to authorship. The court ruled that Grosset had the rights to publish the original series of both Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys as they were in print in 1980, but did not own characters or trademarks. Furthermore, any new publishers chosen by Adams were completely within their rights to print new titles.
Hardy Boys' evolution of characters. The Hardy Boys have gone through many permutations over the years. Beginning in 1959, the books were extensively revised, and some commentators find that the Hardy's characters changed in the process. Commentators also sometimes see differences between the Hardy Boys of the original Hardy Boys mystery stories and the Hardy Boys of the Hardy Boys case files, or the new Undercover Brothers series. 1927 to 1959. The early volumes, largely written by Leslie McFarlane, have been praised for their atmosphere and writing style, qualities often considered lacking in juvenile series books. McFarlane's writing is clear and filled with specific details, making his works superior to many other Stratemeyer series titles. Such, at least, was McFarlane's attention. Quote, it seemed to me the Hardy Boys deserve something better than the slapdash treatment Dave Fearless had been getting. I opted for quality. Unquote. Uh, the volumes not written by McFarlane or his wife were penned by John Button, who wrote the series from 1938 to 1942. This period is sometimes referred to as the weird period, as the writing is full of inconsistencies and the Hardy Boys' adventure involve futuristic gadgetry and exotic locations. In general, the world of these early volumes is a dark and divided place. In these early titles, the boys are cynical about human nature, an attitude apparently justified when the police, with the, when the police, when they have, whom they have, repeatedly helped throw them into jail on slim evidence in The Great Airport Mystery, 1930. The police and authority figures in general come off poorly in these books, so much so that at one point, Edward Stratemeyer wrote McFarland to reprimand him for grievance lack of respect for officers of the law. The Hardys are less affluent than earlier Stratemeyer characters. They eagerly accept cash rewards, largely to finance college educations, and with their parents, strive to please their Aunt Gertrude because she possesses a small fortune. The rich are portrayed as greedy and selfish. This view of the world reflects McFarland's relative lack of sympathy with the American power structure. In his autobiography, McFarland described his rationale for writing the books this way, writing, I had my own thoughts about teaching youngsters that obedience to authority is somehow sacred. Would civilization crumble if kids got the notion that the people who ran the world were sometimes stupid, occasionally wrong, and even corrupt at times? The book's attitudes towards minority characters are a matter of disagreement. These early volumes have been called models of diversity for their day, since among the Hardy's friends are Phil Cohen, who is Jewish, and the Italian immigrant Tony Prito. However, these two friends are rarely involved in the Hardy's adventures, a level of friendship reserved for Biff Hooper and Chet Morton. The books have been extensively criticized for their use of racial and ethnic stereotypes and their xenophobia. Vilnoff, for example, the villain in the Sinister Signpost is described as, quote, swarthy, unquote, and a foreigner, notes critic Stephen Burgess. Burgess. African-Americans are the targets of much racism, being depicted as unintelligent, lazy, and superstitious. Bumpkin rescuers at the best and secretive and conspiratorial villains at worst. Benjamin Lefebvre notes that Harriet Adams at times rebuked Leslie McFarlane for not sufficiently following her instructions regarding the portrayal of African-American characters. He writes that it is not clear whether Adams rewrote parts of McFarlane's manuscripts to add racist details or to what extent these texts would now be considered even more notoriously racist had McFarlane followed Adams' instructions more carefully. 
In Footprints Under the Window, 1933, Chinese-American men are portrayed as effeminate threats to both national security and white heteromasculinity. Native Americans receive mixed treatment. Those living within the continental United States are portrayed as members of once noble tribes whose greatness has been diminished by the coming of the white man. While those living outside the continental United States are portrayed as uneducated, easily manipulated, or semi-savage. However, Hispanics are generally treated as equals. Mexico's history and culture are treated with respect and admiration. Hardy Boys, Characters, 1959-1979 The Hardy Boys volumes were extensively revised beginning in 1959 at the insistence of publishers Grosset and Dunlap and against the wishes of Harriet Adams. The revision project, which also encompassed the Nancy Drew mystery stories, was sparked largely by letters that parents had been writing to Grosset and Dunlap since at least 1948, complaining about the prevalence of racial stereotypes in the books. Volume 14 in the Hardy Boys series, The Hidden Harbor Mystery, 1935, was singled out for particular and repeated attention to its portrayal of a black criminal who organizes a gang of black boys and treats whites disrespectfully. As one parent put it, the books were ingraining the old race riot type of fear. As such letters became more frequent, Grosset and Dunlap informed the Stratemeyer Syndicate that the books must be revised and such stereotypes excised. The end result, however, was less the removal of stereotypes than the removal of non-white characters altogether and the creation of an ethnically cleansed Bayport. By the 1970s, however, the series began to reintroduce black characters. An additional rationale for the revisions was a drop in sales, which became particularly significant by the mid-1960s. Accordingly, the revisions focused on streamlining the texts, as well as eliminating stereotypes. The books were shortened from 25 chapters to 20, and the writing style was made more terse. Difficult vocabulary words, like ostensible, were eliminated, as was slang. As a result of the new, more streamlined writing style, the books focus more on nonstop action than on building atmosphere, and prolonged suspense evaporated. The books were also aimed at an increasingly younger audience with shorter attention spans. For this reason, many commentators find the new versions nothing less than eviscerated, foremost amongst them being the first Hardy Boys ghostwriter, Leslie McFarland, who agreed with a reporter's statement that the books had been gutted. In the course of revising and modernizing the series, many plots were completely rewritten. The Flickering Torch Mystery, 1943, for example, was changed from a plot involving an actual flicker flickering torch used as a signal by a gang to a plot featuring a rock club called the Flickering Torch. When plots were kept, their more lurid elements were eliminated. The villain in the sinister signpost was changed from a criminal who compulsively sculpts miniature models of his own hands to a car thief without such eccentricities, and another villain who branded his victims no longer does so in the revised version of The Mark on the Door, 1934, revised 1967. The books became more respectful of the law and authority. Even villains no longer smoked or drank, and scenes involving guns and shootouts were compressed or eliminated in favor of criminals simply giving themselves up. 
The boys, too, became more respectful of the rules and the law. For example, they no longer drive faster than the speed limit, even when in pursuit of a villain. The Hardys also became more and more wealthy, prompting the criticism that the major problem in these volumes is that the Hardy boys have risen above any ability to identify with people like the typical boys who read their books. They are members and agents of the adult ruling class acting on behalf of that ruling class. Hardy Boys, 1979-2005 to The Hardy Boys began to be published in paperback in 1979. The Hardys were also featured in two news series, The Hardy Boys Case Files and The Clues Brothers. The latter series, modeled on the Nancy Drew notebooks, was aimed at a younger audience and ran from 1997 to 2000. In contrast, The Case Files, begun a decade earlier in 1987, was aimed at an older audience than The Hardy Boys Mystery Stories. In the new series, the Hardys work with a secret government organization simply called The Network, with which they collaborate to infiltrate organized crime, battle terrorists, and track down assassins around the world. The Hardys' personalities are portrayed as more separate and distinct, and they sometimes fight. In the first of the series, Dead on Target, for example, the brothers brawl after Frank tries to restrain Joe after Joe's girlfriend, Iola Morton, is killed by a car bomb. In general, this series is more violent, and the Hardy Boys carry various guns. Lines like, Joe, hand me the Uzi, are not out of character. Barbara Steiner, a Case Files ghostwriter, describes a sample plot outline. Quote, I was told that Joe Hardy would get involved with a waitress, a Black Widow kind of character, and that Joe would get arrested for murder. I was told the emphasis was on high action and suspense, and there had to be a cliffhanger at the end of every chapter. End quote. The long-running Hardy Boys Mystery Stories series ended in 2005 and was replaced with a reboot series, The Hardy Boys Undercover Brothers. In these volumes, the Hardys' adventures are narrated in the first person, each brother alternating chapters. This fresh approach to telling the adventures reveals two boys quite foreign to how they have been portrayed before, egotistical and jealous, and longtime readers will find few connections with the boys' previous personalities. The boys' Aunt Gertrude becomes Trudy. Their mother, Laura, is given a career as a librarian, and their father is semi-retired. The boys are given their cases by a secret group known as ATAC, an acronym for American Teens Against Crime. In this new series, the Hardy Boys seem more like regular kids who have lots of wild adventures in these books, which also deal with issues that kids today might have thought about. For example, the second book in this series, Running on Fumes, deals with environmentalists who go a little too far to try and save the trees. The Hardys are also featured in new graphic novel series begun in 2005 and produced by Paper Cuts, and a new early chapter book series called The Hardy Boys' Secret Files, begun in 2010 by the publisher Simon & Schuster under their Aladdin imprint. The last Undercover Brothers books were released in January 2012 and July 2012. At the time of cancellation, there was one book that had been announced but was ultimately shelved, The Case of the My Face Kidnapper. It is unknown whether this was going to be the final title of this unpublished book, since many bookstore websites and Simon & Schuster's website always had the letters WT behind the title, meaning that it was a working title. February 2013 saw the launch of The Hardy Boys Adventures, a series written in the first person. For the first time since 1985, 
The books will be issued in hardcover, along with paperback editions. Hardy Boys Books The longest-running series of books to feature the Hardy Boys is the Hardy Boys Mystery Stories, sometimes also called the Hardy Boys Mysteries. The series ran from 1927 to 2005 and comprises 190 volumes, although some consider only the first 58 volumes of this series to be part of the Hardy Boys canon. The Hardy Boys also appeared in 127 volumes of the Case Files series and 39 volumes of the Undercover Brothers series and are currently the heroes of the Hardy Boys Adventures series. The brothers were also featured in a few standalone books such as the Hardy Boys Ghost Stories and some crossover titles where they teamed up with other characters such as Nancy Drew or Tom Swift. Hardy Boys books have been extensively reprinted in the United Kingdom with new illustrations and cover art. The Hardy Boys adventures have also been translated into over 25 languages, including Norwegian, Swedish, Spanish, Icelandic, Hebrew, French, German, Japanese, Russian, and Italian. The books are widely read in India, and Japan's Kyoto Sangyo University listed 21 Hardy Boys books on its reading list for freshmen in the 1990s. Hardy Boys Television There have been five separate Hardy Boys television adaptations. In the late 1950s, Disney contracted with the Stratemeyer Syndicate and Grosset and Dunlap to produce two Hardy Boys TV serials starring Tim Considine and Tommy Kirk. The first of the series, The Mystery of the Applegate Treasure, was aired on The Mickey Mouse Club in 1956 during the show's second season. To appeal to the show's audience, the Hardy Boys were portrayed as younger than in the books, seeming to be 12 or 13 years old. The script, written by Jackson Gillis, was based on the Hardy Boys book, The Tower Treasure, and the serial was aired in 19 episodes of 15 minutes each with a production cost of $5,700. A second serial, The Mystery of Ghost Farm, followed in 1957 with an original story by Jackson Gillis. However, for unknown reasons, no more serials were produced. In the mid-1960s, sales of Hardy Boys books began to drop. The Stratemeyer Syndicate conducted a survey which revealed that the decline in sales was due to the perceived high cost of the books and to competition from television. As a result, the Syndicate approved an hour-long plot for a new Hardy Boys television show. The pilot, based on The Mystery of the Chinese Junk, was aired on NBC on September 8, 1967 and starred Tim Matheson, and Joe as Joe Hardy and Rick Gates as Frank. Both actors were 20 at the time of production and portrayed the Hardy Boys as young adults rather than children. The show did poorly, however, and the series was abandoned. Two years later, in 1969, ABC aired a Saturday morning cartoon series based on the Hardy Boys. The series was produced by Filmation and ran from 1969 to 1971. In this series, the Hardys were members of a rock and roll band. A group of professional musicians performed all the songs on the series and toured across the United States. The animated series produced two bubblegum music albums of moderate quality with no commercial success. The series was notable for being the first cartoon to include a black character. The show took note of current concerns. Although aimed at a young audience, some plot lines dealt with illegal drugs and the animated Frank and Joe spoke directly to children about not smoking and the importance of wearing seatbelts. 
ABC aired another series featuring the Hardy Boys. The Hardy Boys Nancy Drew Mysteries from 1977 to 1979. The Prime Time series starred Parker Stevenson and Sean Cassidy as Frank and Joe Hardy. Pamela Sue Martin and later Janet Louise Johnson played Nancy Drew. During the first season, the series alternated between episodes featuring the Hardy Boys one week and Nancy Drew the next. The Hardy Boys were cast as young adults. Stephen and Cassidy were 24 and 18 respectively during the filming of the first episodes. The series featured original plots as well as ones based on Hardy Boys books, among them The Clue of the Screeching Owl, The Disappearing Floor, and The Flickering Torch Mystery. The series received an Emmy nomination and featured a number of guest stars, including Kim Cattrall, Ray Midland, Howard Duff, and Ricky Nelson. During the second season, the series format changed to focus more on the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew appearing mostly in crossover episodes with the brothers. Midway through production of the second season, Martin quit and was replaced by Johnson. The series returned for a third season, dropping the Nancy Drew character completely and shortening its title to The Hardy Boys. In 1995, another TV adaptation, simply called The Hardy Boys, was produced by Canadian company Nelvana, syndicated by New Line Television, and was dubbed in French for airing in Quebec and France as well as the United States. Colin Gray starred as Frank Hardy and Paul Popowicz played Joe. The characters were portrayed in their early 20s with Frank working as a reporter and Joe still in college. The show lasted for only one season of 13 episodes due to poor ratings. A series based on Nancy Drew that ran alongside it in syndication suffered the same fate. The Hardy Boys series as a teen and young adult oriented drama is in development by Hulu with Joan Lumber and Steve Cochran executive producing the series and Jason Stone directing. Hardy Boys, video games, and comic books. Several Hardy Boys video games have been released, notably the Hardy Boys Adventure series by Dreamcatcher, The Hidden Thief for PC in 2008, The Hardy Boys The Perfect Crime for PC 2009, The Mass Phantom for the PC, shelved, Hardy Boys Nintendo DS series by Her Interactive and Sega, Treasure on the Tracks, Nintendo DS 2009. In March 2017, Dynamite Entertainment released Anthony Del Cole's reboot of the classic characters Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys with Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, The Big Lie. Del Cole has been a lifelong fan of the characters and was successful in working with Simon & Schuster to secure the comic book rights and then pitch to publishers. Inspired by Archie Comics' Afterlife with Archie, Del Cole is quoted as saying, "So So then I started to think, huh, I wonder what all the other characters out there that are well known that could be rebooted like that del cole said that's when i started to look around and i looked in on some properties and then i thought hey wait a minute nancy drew hardy boys oh that would be a really cool to do a hard hard-boiled noir take on them end quote the series a hard-boiled noir take on the characters find characters frank and joe hardy accused of murdering their father fenton hardy and then turning to a femme fatale-esque nancy drew to clear their names The series features artwork by Italian artist Werther Del Adera with covers by UK artist Faye Dalton. Del Cole credits editors Matt Eidelson and Matt Humphreys with helping him shape the direction of the series. The series debuted to positive reviews. Comics blog, Reading with a Flight 
ring.com declared it the best modern approach to updating a franchise like this that I've seen. It works on every level and still fully embraces the heart of who they are. Ain't it cool.com reviewer Liz Reblin stated the strength of the series is thus far is Mrs. Drew, who was absent for most of the first issue. She is pitch perfect modernized femme fatale who can hold her own up against any present day Sam Spade, Philip Marlowe, or the like. Hardy Boys in other media. The Hardy Boys have appeared in several titles in the Nancy Drew computer game series produced by Her Interactive. Her Interactive partnered with Sega to release its own series of the Hardy Boys games. The first game in the series was titled Treasure on the Tracks and was released in 2009 for Nintendo DS. Joe Wood Productions and Dreamcatcher Games have released a Hardy Boys computer game called The Hidden Theft. Jesse McCartney and Cody Lindley are the voices of Frank and Joe. The Hardy Boys have also been used to sell a variety of merchandise over the years, much of it tied to television adaptations. They've appeared in several board games, comic books, coloring books, activity books, jigsaw puzzles, and lunchboxes. Two LP albums, Here Come the Hardy Boys, and Wheels, a Viewmaster set, a toy truck, charm bracelets, rings, wristwatches, greeting cards, jeans, and guitars. The Hardy Boys have been parodied in the animated series South Park in an episode titled Mystery of the Urinal Deuce in which the Hardy Boys investigate a 9-11 conspiracy theory. The Hardy Boys, Mystery of the Spiral Bridge, appears in NCIS New Orleans episode In the Blood as a book that belonged to Agent Dwayne Pride in the past. In the 1970s, Parker Brothers released the Hardy Boys mystery game. In the board game, two to four players take on the role of amateur sleuths and try to solve a mystery. Hardy Boys Thematic Analysis The Hardy Boys have been called a cultural touchstone all over the world. Their adventures have been continuously in print since 1927. The series was an instant success. By mid-1929, more than 115,000 books had been sold, and as of 2008, the books were selling more than a million copies a year. Worldwide, more than 70 million copies of Hardy Boys books have been sold. A number of critics have tried to explain the reasons for the character's longevity. One explanation for this continuing popularity is that the Hardy Boys are simple wish fulfillment. Their adventures allow readers to vicariously experience and escape from the mundane. At the same time, Frank and Joe live hard and ordinary lives when not solving mysteries, allowing readers to identify with the characters who seem realistic and whose parents and authority figures are unfailingly supportive and loving. The Hardy Boys also embody an ideal of masculinity. By their very name, they set the stage for a gentrified version of hardiness and constructed hardiness as an ideal for modern American males. Part of the cultural production of self-control and mastery as the revered ideal for the American man. More controversially, to Meredith Wood, the characters embody not just an ideal of masculinity, but an ideal of white masculinity. She tries to argue that racist stereotypes are fundamental to the success of the Hardy Boys series. In support of this claim, Wood cites what she says is the replacement of one stereotype, evil Chinese, with another, evil Latin Americans, in the original and revised versions of Footprints Under the Window. 
She further claims that this is the reason for the popularity of the Applewoods books reprints of the original unrevised texts rather than the widely cited blandness of the rewrites. Critic Gary Westfall considers the Hardy Boys to not display any sexuality. The Hardys' ignorance of sex and their increasing respect for the law have led some to the, some negative perceptions and many parodies of the characters. They are well-scrubbed Boy Scout types who fetishized squareness. They have been parodied numerous times in such works as The Hardy Boys and the Mystery of Where Babies Come From by Christopher Durang, The Secret of the Old Queen, a Hardy Boys musical by Timothy Cope and Paul Bozing, and Mabel Maney's novel A Ghost in the Closet, a Hardy Boys mystery. National Lampoon ran an article in 1985 entitled The Undiscovered Notebooks of Franklin W. Dixon, in which the authors purport to have stumbled upon some unpublished Hardy Boys manuscripts, including The Party Boys in the Case of the Missing Scotch and The Hardy Boys in the Dark Secret of the Spooky Closet. Others have pointed to the Hardy Boys' relationship with their father as a key to the success of the series. As Tim Morris notes, while Fenton Hardy is portrayed as a great detective, his sons are usually the ones that solve the cases, making Fenton Hardy a paradoxical figure. As a result, the Hardy Boys are able to be both superior to their father and to gain satisfaction of fearlessly making their dad proud of them. In the end, many commentators find that the Hardy Boys are largely successful because their adventures represent a victory over anxiety. The Hardy Boys series teaches readers that, although the world can be an out-of-control place, good can triumph over evil, that the worst problems can be solved, and if we do, if we each do our share and our best to help others. That marks the end of the Wikipedia page for the Hardy Boys proper. Uh, there is a secondary page, which is a list of Hardy Boys books. You can find that at wikipedia.org slash wiki slash list underscore of underscore Hardy underscore boys underscore books. Just for fun, we're going to roll through that list right now because it just seems fun. Feel free to skip this part uh, and otherwise enjoy. This is the Hardy Boys Mystery Stories 1927 to 2005. Number one, The Tower Treasure, 1927, The House on the Cliff, 1927, The Secret of the Old Mill, 1927, The Missing Chums, 1928, Hunting for Hidden Gold, 1928, The Shore Road Mystery, 1928, The Secret of the Caves, 1929, The Mystery of Cabin Island, 1929, The Great Airport Mystery, 1930, What Happened at Midnight, 1931, While the Clock Ticked, 1932, Footprints Under the Window, 1933, The Mark on the Door, 1934, The Hidden Harbor Mystery, 1935, The Sinister Signpost, 1936, A Figure in Hiding, 1937, The Secret Warning, 1938, The Twisted Claw, 1939, The Disappearing Floor, 1940, The Mystery of the Flying Express, 1941, The Clue of the Broken Blade, 1942, The Flickering Torch Mystery, 1943, The Melted Coins, 1944, The Short Wave Mystery, 1945, The Secret Panel, 1946, The Phantom Freighter, 1947, The Secret of Skull Mountain, 1948, The Sign of the Crooked Arrow, 1949, The Secret of the Lost Tunnel, 1950, 
The Wailing Siren Mystery, 1951. The Secret of Wildcat Swamp, 1952. The Crisscross Shadow, 1953. The Yellow Feather Mystery, 1954. The Hooded Hawk Mystery, 1954. The Clue in the Embers, 1956. The Secret of Pirate's Hill, 1956. The Ghost at Skeleton Rock, 1957. The Mystery at Devil's Paw, 1959. The Mystery of the Chinese Junk, 1960. Mystery of the Desert Giant, 1961. The Clue of the Screeching Owl, 1962. The Viking Symbol Mystery, 1963. The Mystery of the Aztec Warrior, 1964. The Haunted Fort, 1965. The Mystery of the Spiral Bridge, 1966. The Secret Agent on Flight 101, 1967. Mystery of the Whale Tattoo, 1968. The Arctic Patrol Mystery, 69. The Bombay Boomerang, 1970. Danger on Vampire Trail, 1971. The Masked Monkey, 1972. The Shattered Helmet, 1973. The Clue of the Hissing Serpent, 1974. The Mysterious Caravan, 1975. The Witchmaster's Key, 1976. The Jungle Pyramid, 1977. The Firebird Rocket, 1978. The Sting of the Scorpion, 1979. The Night of the Werewolf, 1979. Mystery of the Samurai Sword, 1979. The Pentagon Spy, 1980. The Ape Man's Secret, 1980. The Mummy Case, 1980. The Mystery of Smuggler's Cove, 1980. The Stone Idol, 1981. The Vanishing Thieves, 1981. The Outlaw Silver, 1981. The Submarine Caper, 1981. The Four-Headed Dragon, 81. The Infinity Clue, 81. Track of the Zombie, 1982. The Voodoo Plot, 82. The Billion Dollar Ransom, 82. Tic Tac Terror, 1982. Trapped at Sea, 1982. Game Plan for Disaster, 1982. The Crimson Flame, 1983. Cave In, 1983. Sky Sabotage, 1984. The Roaring River Mystery, 1984. The Demon's Den, 1984. The Black Wing Puzzle, 1984. The Swamp Monster, 1985. Revenge of the Desert Phantom, 1985 and The Skyfire Puzzle, 1985. Mystery of the Silver Star, 1987. Program for Destruction, 1987. Tricky Business, 1988. The Sky Blue Fra uh, Frame, 1988. Danger on the Diamond, 1988. Shield of Fear, 1988. The Shadow Killers, 1988. The Serpent's Tooth Mystery, 1988. Breakdown in Axe Blade, 1988. 89, Danger on the Air, 1989, Wipeout, 1989, Cast of Criminals, 89, Spark of Suspicion, 89, Dungeon of Doom, 89, The Secret of the Island Treasure, 1990, The Money Hunt, 1990, Terminal Shock, 90, The Million Dollar Nightmare, 90, Tricks of the Trade, 1990, The Smokescreen Mystery, 1990, Attack of the Video Villains, 1991, Panic on Gull Island, 1991, Fear on Wheels, 1991, The Primetime Crime, 
1991. The Secret of Sigma 7, 1991. Three Ring Terror, 1991. The Demolition Mission, 1992. Radical Moves, 1992. Case of the Counterfeit Criminal, 92. Sabotage at Sports City, 92. Rock and Roll Renegades, 92. The Baseball Card Conspiracy, 1992. Danger in the Fourth Dimension, 1993. Trouble at the Coyote Canyon. The Case of the Cosmic Kidnapping, 93. The Mystery in the Old Mine, 1993. Carnival of Crime, 1993. The Robot's Revenge, 1993. Mystery with a Dangerous Beat, 1994. Red Thrills, 1994. Day of the Dinosaur, 1994. The Treasure at Dolphin Bay, 1994. Sidetrack to Danger, 1995. Crusade of the Flaming Sword, 1995. Maximum Challenge, 1995. Crime in the Kennel, 1995. Cross Country Crime, 95. The Hypersonic Secret, 95. The Cold Crash Caper, 1996. High Speed Shakedown, 1996. The Alaskan Adventure, 96. The Search for the Snow Leopard, 96. Slam Dunk Sabotage, 96. The Desert Thieves, 1996. Lost in Gator Swamp, 1997. The Giant Rat of Sumatra, 1997. The Secret of Skeleton Reef, 1997. Terror at High Tide, 1997. The Mark of the Blue Tattoo, 1997. Trial and Terror, 97. The Ice Cold Case, 98. The Chase for the Mystery Twister, 1998. The Crisscross Crime, 1998. The Rocky Road to Revenge, 1998. Danger in the Extreme, 98. Eye on Crime, 1998. The Caribbean Cruise Caper, 1999. The Hunt for the Four Brothers, 1999. A Will to Survive, 1999. The Lure of the Italian Treasure, 99. Daredevils, 99. A Game Called Chaos, 2000. Training for Trouble, 2000. The End of the Trail, 2000. The Spy That Never Lies, 2000. Skin and Bones, 2000. Crime in the Cards, 2001. Past and Present Danger, 2001. Trouble Times 2, 2001. The Castle Conundrum, 2001. Ghost of a Chance, 2001 and kick off to danger 2001 the test case 2002 trouble in warp space 2002 speed times 5 2002 hide and sneak 2002 trick or trouble 2002 in plain sight 2002 the case of the psychic's vision 2003 the mystery of the black rhino 2003 passport to danger 2003 typhoon island 2003 double jeopardy 2003 the secret of the soldier's gold 2003 warehouse rumble 2004 the dangerous transmission 2004 wreck and roll 2004 hidden mountain 2004 no way out 2004 farming fear 2004 one false step 2005 and lastly motocross madness volume number 190 published 2005 
That's it for today's episode of Wikiredia. Look, before you go, be sure to hit subscribe, follow us on Twitter at It's Wikiredia, and tell your friends. What do you want to listen to? Send topic ideas to our email, which is wikiredia at pm.me. Our producer and narrator, that's me, is Eric Gorris. Our engineer is OJ Tingles, and our content editor is Johnny Rocketship. We ask you to support this show by following and sharing, but more importantly, just listening. We also ask that you do your part to support Wikipedia itself by considering a donation to the Wikipedia Foundation. That can be done at wikipedia.org. All, or at least the vast majority, of the words spoken on this show are from the text of Wikipedia entries, and we're using those words under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license, which grants us, and in fact anyone, the right to adapt the original work remix it, and then to distribute and transmit the work even for commercial purposes. This license requires that we name the author of the original work, which in this case is Wikipedia. Wikiredia itself is also distributed under the same Creative Commons attribution, Sharealike 3.0 license. Wikiredia is a production of Eric Public Media and the Alaska Ice Corporation.